0: Hi, I'm Teresa Duncan.
1: And I'm Kevin Henry.
0: Welcome to Chew On This.
1: We are excited to bring you our views of current topics in the dental industry and put a little different spin on them, giving you something to chew
0: on. If you need to jump off, be sure to check the show notes for links as well as how to get in touch with us.
1: And now, let's give you something to chew on.
0: And we're back with another episode of Chew On This. K dog, what's up?
1: You know, Teresa Duncan, it is a beautiful day, and oh my goodness, do we have stuff to talk about today? I am stoked.
0: Ooh, all right. Well, let's get to it. And uh, listeners, just so you know, if my if the voice on the other end of Kevin changes halfway through the conversation, it's not a new co-host. I've been battling. <laughs> <laughs> I've been battling a, a little bit of a sinus infection, so I may just drop a little bit. Yeah, I'm
1: <laughs> a little worried. The mob was after me the first time we talked earlier in the week. So you know, hey. <laughs>
0: Oh goodness! You sent something in your Ignite DDS newsletter, which I really like. Thank you. You sent something to my inbox, and I was like, "Why did you send this to my inbox?" Do you want to share that? Well, well,
1: first <laughs> of all, you know, you and I have known each other for so long, and I did not know about this little fear of yours. So now I'm going to use <laughs> it against you. Any chance that I get? So there was a study, uh, or not a study. It was actually a video. So one of the things that I subscribe to is Men's Health and Men's Journal. I love you know, reading uh, some of the interesting stories that are out there. And so menshealth.com had a video on their website about a vet that was asked to come in and remove three teeth from a very sick saltwater crocodile named Riley. Now, I love that they named Riley. That, that's fantastic. <laughs> and I also love the fact that they've got the video of them trying to get Riley out of the water and prepared for oral surgery. It's just fascinating to me. But apparently the, the crocodile was in a great amount of pain. He had three teeth that need to be removed. He actually had a hole in his jaw as well. Oh, wow. And so they went through and they talked about all the bacteria that had formed. And again, it's a really fascinating video. And I know we'll link to it. You know, And I thought, oh, this is pretty cool. But then I said it to you and you were just horrified,
0: I think. So. <laughs> I was like, what? I think I had a lot of emojis in my, my email. Because <laughs> <You did. laughs> I am terrified. I'm terrified of gators. See, I never knew that. Yeah, gators and crocodiles, which much to Norman's chagrin, because, you know, we would like to retire to Florida. And I have all these <laughs> I have all these requirements, such as a gator-free area. And he's looking at me like, come on now, this is Florida.
1: <laughs> That's called Colorado, as it turns out. So I hate <laughs> to tell you. <laughs>
0: if you really love me, you'll find this place. No, but it is, uh, it's terrifying to me that somebody is going to put their hands in a crocodile's mouth or a gator's mouth. To do this, but wow, what a brave person. If you
1: knew it was sedated, if you knew there was no way it was going to clamp down on your arm, would you still do it?
0: (laughs) No. Okay, I'm just asking. No, (laughs) no. And I was going to say something even more, but I don't want our poor editor to have to (laughs) call us explicit. (laughs) That's a no. (laughs) You know what? I don't even know if I would watch from afar. Can I just share with you how this started? Of course. That's I had cool. no fear of gators before Norman. I just want to say that.
1: Oh, man. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we honeymooned down in, in Disney World. That was We'd never been as children, so we decided to go there. One of the side things, the day trips, was something called Gator World or Gatorland. Have you been to Gatorland? I Land? have been to
1: Gatorland, actually. That's funny. So
0: you know how full of gators it actually is. <laughs> it lives up to it its hints name.
1: the name. Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> so we're walking down this path and I come around a corner and there's just a gator sitting there. There's chicken wire between us. That's it. And I oh, said wow. to Norman, this, yeah, chicken wire. And he's like, oh, they're so sedated. They're not coming after you. They don't want to come after you. And I'm like, okay. So I'm having to try to run by this gator. And then there's my mind going, if I run, the gator will see me. So do I slow walk past the gator and then present him with like a full on food show? Like what, what do I do here? And then the next part of the trip, because there's a one way path through there, really. It's a circle. You go up to this tower and you look down and the gators are nested on top of each other, you know, ready to do their roll. And somebody drops something in there and then they do the roll while I'm on the stairs up on top. And there's nothing, there's spaces between the stairs, you know, and there's kids going up and down. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. So, I got up to the top and then I went to this period where I had to talk myself to go down. So really just traumatic, just absolutely This is traumatic.
1: traumatic. And, I, and see, it's I, ra- I never heard this. So now I feel bad that I traumatized you through our newsletter. But hey, you know. No,
0: you don't. No, you don't. Well, okay. Maybe not <laughs> as bad, you know. So they they were able to remove the teeth. Gator's going to be healthy.
1: Gator's going to be fine. He'll go back to terrorizing you in your dreams. You know I mean? It's, <laughs> it's going to be perfectly fine. Riley is going to be A-okay.
0: Let me just object to Riley because really the name should be like Killer or Bringer of Death <laughs> Bring or of Riley. Death. Really? You know, you just Come met, on.
1: you just get Riley. It's a like good Riley. You know, it's like Inca. You know, it's the same thing. Really, very similar.
0: <laughs> good lord, these things are like dinosaurs, right? They've been around forever. I have. So you said there's like a hole in the jaw and all of that. Yeah.
1: And and I think that was the thing that first alerted them was the fact, and and I'm not sure how you really tell that a a crocodile is cranky versus one that's just perfectly fine with the world. I'm not sure about that, you know, but, but apparently they noticed the hole in the jaw and they noticed that it wasn't just putting thoughts in your head here, eating as well as it should have been. So, you know, that kind of tipped them off that something is wrong. And I I can just imagine the call of the bat. Hey, Guess what? We've got a crocodile over here that needs to have three teeth removed. You up for that? You know, and I'm sure the vet was like, bring it on. As long as we can video this and it will go viral, <laughs> I'm down with that. Absolutely.
0: I mean, they probably do it for like lions and tigers oh, yeah. and stuff like Absolutely. that.
1: Absolutely. Are you scared of lions or tigers or anything? Like
0: that? I'm not. And I actually would probably stick my arm in their mouth. I would actually just want to feel their mane. There's a zoo out by you guys in Colorado. There is. I,
1: I was just going to tell you about that.
0: Not the Denver Zoo, but the other one no, where no, the there's baby a pres-
1: giraffes were. There's a preserve, actually. You're exactly yes. right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So
0: my best friend, Raina, and her husband, Roosevelt, and I all went there. And that oh. was the first time in my life I'd ever heard a true lion roar.
1: Isn't it, isn't it amazing?
0: Oh, my God. I, had, I mean, we weren't even around it, and we heard it throughout the whole park. So I can't imagine what it sounds like on the Savannah or whatever. They're beautiful.
1: They are. Okay. Because I was going to say, next time you come, I take you, but you've already been.
0: Oh, I'll go again. I love it.
1: All right. Dan and I have been there a couple of times and we love it. And they've got actually an exhibit as you go in where it talks about how they take care of the animals. And one of the things they talk about is uh, oral surgery that they have to do on the lions. And it's actually got some pictures of when they had to take care of one of the lion's teeth.
0: Oh, I missed that. Yeah. Now I got to go back. Okay. Well, let's go. All right. All right. See, this is happy. We we transition from gators to lions, <laughs> but the video is pretty interesting. If you're not terrified, it's pretty interesting. I'm the whole animal dentistry is wild. Like they have crowns for dogs. Oh my gosh. Braces for dogs. It's crazy.
1: It absolutely is.
0: I wonder if they do whitening.
1: You know, that's a really good question. I would be interested to know that. And, you know, speaking of whitening, uh-oh. Can I can I throw out a study that I heard about?
0: We love studies, so We yes. do,
1: because it was in that same <laughs> newsletter. And it was one thing that I thought was very interesting, and it made me wonder, are we going to start getting whiter teeth? Because scientists have just come up with the whitest shade of paint ever created.
0: I didn't know this was a goal of someone's.
1: This is a goal.
0: I thought it was already very white.
1: No, no, it could be whiter. It could be much, much wider, And so the reason that they've come up with this paint, which I thought was very interesting, is that it will reflect the sun more if you paint your dental practice, shall we say, or your, your house. This certain shade of white, it reflects the sun more, which, of course, will lower your air conditioning costs in the summer. So they're going to try it out in places that are really, really hot, like, oh, where, I don't know, lions roar in Africa, maybe things like that, uh, you know, just tying it back in there. But I thought it was really interesting. And then is that going to mean, well, gosh, mate, we could get teeth even whiter now, maybe too.
0: Oh, sure. So, You're helping the climate by getting whiter teeth.
1: Climate dentistry.
0: If you put that in there, that there, there's some benefit to the climate and to earth, you know, these Instagram influencers are going to be all that, hashtag climate change, right? <laughs> so they're going to be all... All into it.
1: Why wouldn't they? I mean, come on, it's going to be all about it, and you're going to look at a picture, and literally your eyes will melt. It's going to be so bright. It's going to be amazing. You know, and you're going to be like, well, at least that was the last photo I ever saw, and I never have to look at crocodiles again. Apparently, but hey, you know, it'll be fine.
0: So I bet. You know what? I just thought of this. I wonder if show dogs get their teeth bleached or whitened.
1: That's a great question.
0: I bet they do. I bet, I bet you know. What? I'm going to look into that. I bet they do because. Some of those dogs look like they've never had any teeth cleanings at all.
1: You are so, going to find some, some rabbit hole on Reddit. And like at three in the morning, you're going to be like, what have I done? But it's different. yeah, I can see it. I'm
0: going to call you up and be like, we have a new business.
1: Inka, <laughs> <laughs> okay, your first step. Griffin, you're right behind. Here we go.
0: Oh, good God. All right. All right. So are you ready to, uh, to bring me down or to bring me down? Are you ready for, for me to bring you down? I was say for once
1: it's not me throwing out the crud. So yes, please bring it girl.
0: This is to combat your gator story. No, I'm just kidding. Apparently there's a study that was done that actually examined the role of oromaxillofacial surgeons in Nazi world. Speaking of studies that really don't need to be done. What's that about?
1: In Nazi world is like the worst amusement park ever. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> it really is. It's it's horrible.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I didn't expect that. That's let's just leave it there. You're oh you're out, God. Anyway. <laughs> all right, so they evaluated, you know, looking at all these archival records. 116 of 187 specialist surgeons, 116 of these were members of the Nazi Party. Sixty-two percent. So these are oral maxillofacial surgeons in Germany and Austria. So I just want to be bring that in there. So Of course, more than half of them belong to educator property owning, blah, blah, blah. Party members after the Third Reich or during the Third Reich were able to frequently advance. I'm guessing that the prestige role of being a doctor, of course, helped them to to move forward in this and in their professions. But I just thought, first of all, okay. so first of all, I'm just not sure why this study was done. But interesting stuff is interesting stuff. And they were asked um, often, it seems like, to do forced sterilizations. Um, that was pretty interesting. And, and it seems to me like a lot of them, most of them objected to that. But they also had to take care of soldiers who were coming in off the field, you know, needed to have reconstructive surgery. So that was a really big piece of it. And that really kept them busy. And I just thought, wow, that's, that's interesting. Then it made me start to think, what other professions did they track, you know, that that were very valuable to the Nazi party? It's not a topic for this particular uh, podcast, but I, I just thought that was very interesting. Actually, one of the surgeons was an oral surgeon named Hans Pitchler. I think that's how you say it. He assisted in treating Sigmund Freud's maxillary jaw cancer.
1: Hmm. How about that? That's a little little history footnote there for sure.
0: Yeah. Not sure that, you know, you need to keep that in your brain. That's what we do is we bring you stuff that you could keep in your brain, but maybe you don't want it in your brain.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: I'll link to the study because I just think, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I did bring you down. I told you I was going to bring you down.
1: Boy, you did. There's not a lot of (laughs) of bounce back for that. I got to be perfectly honest with you.
0: But it is wild because I guess, you know, if you were looking to survive in that time, using your skills that you trained for, help them out. So I guess that's one thing. But if they did it on purpose, screw them, of course. Well,
1: and, and yeah, and one of the things that I would love studying World War II stuff when I was in high school. I mean, that was one of my... Oh, yeah? my I did. I did. I, I thought it was very fascinating. All the things, you know, the what ifs, if Hitler hadn't invaded Russia in the winter, you know, all the, all these different things, you start thinking about what ifs. But it was fascinating to me to see how that that people in Germany and Austria and those countries that the Nazis took over didn't really have much of a choice a lot of times. You know, it was either you become a part of our party or you're gone, uh, you know, literally. It's interesting to me to look back at how we've kind of forced things as humans from time to time and people have gone along with things against Their will, but yet they knew that that was the only way to survive. So, yeah, tough, tough thing.
0: Have you ever seen the show Man in the High Castle?
1: I have actually.
0: I figured because that's right up your alley. What if the Nazis had taken power?
1: And it's fascinating. And the guy who played uh, one of the lead Nazis is actually one of my favorite actors. And I cannot think of his name right off the top of my head. (laughs) But he's actually, seriously, he's a great actor, a good bad guy. He's a great bad guy. And I'm all, you know, I always cheer for the villains. Yeah, it's it's a great show if you haven't seen it.
0: I think I stopped halfway through the second season. It's not because I didn't like it. I just, I think I just forgot.
1: There was one part that it was like the jumping the shark episode of Happy Days. I was like, okay, wait, you know, and, and it, it was troublesome for me to finish it after that point, but I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, but
0: yeah. For you all who know we're old, jumping the shark is a different term. It's like, it's like when a show goes crazy and yeah. it's from a term, it's from a show called Happy Days where Fonzie, who was supposed to be this bad boy, actually went, what's it called? Water skiing.
1: Yeah, he was water skiing at the time, right?
0: Water skiing. (laughs) What's it called? (laughs) With sticks. Sticks on the water. I could not remember what it was. And he actually jumped a shark. So that's where the term comes from. So if you hear your parents talking about something jumping the shark, That's what that means. So another piece of irrelevant trivia.
1: I mean, it's on YouTube. I watched it actually just the other day randomly because somebody brought up Jumping Uh, the Shark. I'm like, oh, my God, I haven't seen that forever. It is quite possibly the worst piece of television you will see. (laughs) uh, Just the whole (laughs) graphics and everything. So it's worth just a moment on YouTube to go, oh, that's what they're talking about.
0: Oh, God, that's hilarious. Okay, so I have to link that, too. A
1: lot of Lincoln going on today.
0: A lot of Lincoln.
1: Well, can I bring us back to current times? Maybe, uh, let me, let me, I know, I know we were having so much fun in the 40s, you know, I mean, uh, and and then the 50s with happy days. Let me see if I can pull us ahead here to the, to the 2020s. God, I almost said teens.
0: I need special effects. Like I need to find a time capsule, like time warp, time warp.
1: (laughs) You like the Austin Powers thing Where we jump in and all of a sudden it spins (laughs) us around, you know?
0: Yeah. Young people too. You got to watch Austin (laughs) Powers because... Holy cow, what a funny show. Moly, moly, moly. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Kevin's dying over here.
1: I, I am, actually.
0: I'm going to talk until you recover. I'm maybe. still
1: picturing him trying to turn the the car to that hallway. <laughs> anyway, sorry.
0: <laughs> please talk. Please okay, talk. Okay, all right.
1: Okay. All right, let's get serious for a minute. I'll, I'll try to get past that. So there was a study that recently came out from Adia, uh, and it was published in the Journal I'm sorry, the Journal of Dental Education. Uh, and it talked about how, you know, we talk about education right now. We talk about how dentistry is changing. We talk about this next generation of dentists that are coming in. And we focus so much on how it's going to be very female dominated, which again, I think that's fantastic. Uh, I, I love that the dentistry is going to turn into a female dominated industry. If you look at statistics What the Journal of Dental Education put out is that uh, over the last two decades, there's still an issue trying to recruit African-American students to dental school and African-American students to not only go to dental school, but then to become health professionals in the neighborhoods where possibly they came from or the neighborhoods that are dominated by that demographic and need the help. And so I thought it was very interesting that we talk so often about how the face of dentistry is changing. But it may not, it may be more the gender than the color. That
0: has changed. Yeah, we talked about Dr. B last week, who reopened his, or last week, last episode that reopened his Minnesota practice in an underserved area. Yes. I had two thoughts when we were talking about this in the pregame show. Mm -hmm. So, studying the African American population, that's important, but I'm wondering if they study the Hispanic population because I honestly, that's another huge demographic. That's a great question. That I really don't see any statistics on. And there's tons of Hispanic communities. And now with, you know, an influx of Hispanic people coming into our country, they're going to set up communities, you know, that's what happens like in Minnesota and Michigan, they have these pockets like Chinatown, right? That's true. They're all going to need dentists that understand and speak their language, their culture, all that kind of stuff. So I'm curious, maybe we should talk about that next time, you know, what's the Hispanic influx going to be. And then the other part of that was, let me tie it back to another episode. Do you remember how Sweden yeah episode that we talked about Sweden and why they have no dental fear. I do, and it's because of the fact that they started it at an early age, right? That was the reason I'm wondering if because the African American community has access to Medicaid, and that traditionally, most of the providers are great. Don't get me wrong, but there are some bad providers out there, and maybe they've had bad experiences with that, and I'm not talking about all African Americans, I'm talking about the ones that have access to Medicaid, right? They also typically will go when they're in pain. So it's a bad experience right Mm -hmm. from the get go. How do you convince people who had a painful experience that this is a job for them down the road when they have such a negative thing about like, I would never go to become a gator handler. Like, do you see what I mean? Like, that wouldn't happen.
1: And it makes perfect sense. It ties back into, I'm going to throw it to another podcast where we talked about the hiring crisis that there are, that there is in dentistry.
0: Uh-huh. Take
1: race, take gender, take everything else out of it. We're having a hard time finding people who want to be a part of this industry. And I think you're spot on. A lot of us didn't want to go to the dentist when we were young. That pervades to this day. We still get a little funky about of going to the dental practice, you know, and. And if you're listening to this podcast, you work in dentistry, you know, these patients who come into your practice and talk about, I'd rather be anywhere else, or I'd rather be doing anything else. <laughs> so I, I think you're spot on with that assessment. I think that we, we as an early age, or we need to at an early age, really establish, like you said, they did in Sweden, where this is part of being healthy, just like going to the doctor, just like having your eyes examined. It's part of being healthy and really incorporating that rather as a place of fear and, oh, gosh, this could hurt and shots and all the negative stereotypes that are out there.
0: I'm going to have to take a look at this study, but I'm guessing that in urban areas, that's not a number one career opportunity. But perhaps, like you said, if you go for a regular visit all the time, maybe if you have African-Americans of a different socioeconomic class, that then opens their eyes because they're going on a non-stressful level. Mm -hmm. And that has to do with all sorts of stuff. I mean, healthcare at a young level, when you're scared, if you're getting blood drawn, if you see your parents having heart attacks and people being, you know, sent to the hospital because of violence, you start to think healthcare is kind of scary.
1: Mm -hmm. You're right. Going to
0: the hospital is kind of scary, right?
1: You know, there's a, a friend of mine that I grew up with and he became an EMT, because his dad had a heart attack when he was very young and he watched as the EMT helped his dad. And at that point he was like, I want to do this.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: I want to help people. And I and I wonder if we get that same mentality around dentistry and not just with dentists. We're talking hygienists, we're talking assistants,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the folks that you work with so often on the, the front office that help people understand their benefits. I mean, things like that are so critical to keeping this industry going after COVID.
0: And it's a good thing, though, that the Medicaid benefits do offer these preventive care items to this population, you know, whether it's rural, whether it's, it's inner city. So I think maybe if that continues and the kids are brought in for regular visits, that can help change that perception. Maybe it's helping now and we're just not going to see it for a couple years because Medicaid expansion happened with the Affordable Care Act, a lot more Medicaid dollars were f- mm-hmm. freed up. So Maybe that class is just getting ready to go in. It's possible. But we could also do some outreach, I think. I think there's nothing wrong with uh, anybody in the community who's looking to do that. And I don't think you have to be African-American to do that outreach. I think anyone can do that
1: outreach. No. And and I think you brought up a really good point a minute ago. It's. Asian Americans, it's Hispanics. It's it's not just one, you know, demographic. It it needs to be across the board where people see themselves so often in the people who are helping them or the people who have established a certain rank or position in society. And I think mm-hmm. that that gives us all hope of what can be.
0: Yeah, we got to follow up on that Hispanic part of the study. I'm sure they'll need to fund to attract people to those jobs, just like inner cities, just like the Native Americans on the Indian reservations. Mm-hmm. You know, The government typically has to dangle a carrot to go out there, you know, if that's what has to happen.
1: And I'm going to tie in one more past episode. The folks up in Alaska who need medical attention, who need dental attention and trying to get people up there to do that so often. But you're exactly right. And and I think what's going to be interesting to watch is, and I need to do some more research into this, is how much Spanish is being taught in dental school so that somebody who might be Hispanic can speak in their native language as well. Because I think so often that could be a detractor from people seeking help is the the language barrier too.
0: Did you know that we're actually required to provide a translator? Did you know that?
1: I did not know that.
0: We actually, at dental offices, this is where you're going to want to stop the car and and pull over and Google, but don't do it. (laughs) I'll link it for you, but there is a statute and ADA has tons of information about it. If somebody comes into your office and requests a translator, you must provide a translator, which is why there are services out there where that you can call. They'll be on call. And, you know, one time I was in an emergency room with our friend Anastasia Turchetta. I've heard of her. Dear friend, now Anastasia Rice, I should say.
1: Yes, of course.
0: I was the patient because stupid things. So we're in the hospital and the person next to me needed a translator. And so they just picked up the phone and they have translators on staff for all these different things. And it was wild. And dental offices, of course, can't staff people like that. There are services. Think of it this way. If somebody comes into your office that is deaf and can correspond through sign language, that's a little bit tougher. You need some FaceTime, but you have to be able to communicate with them because you have to be able to give them the full scope of the treatment plan, get informed consent, all that health literacy we talked about it in another episode.
1: <laughs> Look at us. We just need to do like greatest hits, uh, you know, sometimes some podcasts. Jeez. Either
0: that or we just talk about the same stuff over and over. You remember like, back cow. when we
1: talked about, yeah, you know. <laughs>
0: So you, have to, you have to provide a, a translator.
1: I never knew that. Much like looking at a gator through chicken wire, you've blown my mind uh, with it. So <laughs> you have, absolutely.
0: Some of you are going to think, why did I listen to this? I did not want to know that. <laughs> it's another service you got to subscribe to. So I'll link it for you so that you can go to your doctor or go to your practice owner or you have to hire a service. Don't say you heard it from me. <laughs> say that you read it. And this is how you need to handle it.
1: That's very interesting, though. Seriously,
0: mm-hmm. good to know. I'm full of really ridiculous stuff. You don't want to know.
1: Well, you know, <laughs> you know, you do. Nobody told me that. Uh, you do that podcast. I'm telling oh, you. I think a lot of people right now are saying, "Nobody told me." That. I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> I'm that person in the party that you want to <laughs> say, "Hey, what what do I not know about?" And then just sit back because you know. <laughs> Which is kind of the ties into my next story, Kevin. Are we are we ready to move into the next story?
1: Please. I would
0: love it. I ask you that because I, I, know, I know you well enough that I can say, hey, can we segue to the next one? And can we just stop talking about this now <laughs> and start talking about this, right? So we know each other well enough. We, we don't have to, to pick up on that. But we what did. about two people at a party or a gathering and they're talking and they're talking and they both know where they're done with the conversation. But then there's this awkward so do I bring up another subject or, yeah. or do I say I need to go to the bathroom? Like, what am I supposed to do? Right. Have you ever had a situation like that?
1: Yeah. And I, and I say, you know what, there's more cocktail weenies over there. So I got to go. <laughs> I mean, that that's my bailout is always the food. It happens. Those awkward moments of like, I have nothing else to share with this person.
0: Right. And then you just smile. Right. <laughs> and yeah. then the worst is if they mumble because then you got to listen to it twice. Ugh. So. That's why you need friends to kind of give you the signal. Exactly. You know, can you get me out of this conversation? I think you and I have done that. I think Dana and I, read and We have and I,
1: actually, you're exactly right. Yeah. The, like the two taps on the leg, you know, at the side or something like that. But yeah, you got, you got to have each other's back for sure.
0: This is why it's a good thing to know sign language because you could from across the room just go, please get me out of this, right? All right. But the reason I bring this up, Kevin, is because there there is another study people, you know, we should just call it the studies you don't know about podcasts. That's what we should call it
1: should be pretty interesting. Go ahead.
0: So there was a study done at my goodness. This is a, a meaty name here. The practice hold on Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences of the United States of America. Yes, that is that is fancy. That's highbrow That's what
1: that is right there.
0: They put out a research article and basically what it says is people don't know when to stop talking. And people are very they're just weird about getting out of conversations. They're not sure when to end it. They're not sure if the other person wants to continue. You know, so they looked at nine hundred and thirty two conversations between pairs of people. And they found that most conversations don't end when the participants want them to, much like this podcast sometimes. So,
1: <laughs> you know,
0: in fact, only about 2% of conversations ended when both people wanted them to. What it is, is it's, a, it's almost like this dance. And so they're, they're just not sure. And they go through all these conversations. And really, the most thing is that people don't want to seem rude. So people are just are not coordinated. Your conversations are not coordinated. So it really has to do with picking up on visual cues, on verbal cues, and you can't you can't avoid conversation because it's an integral part of human behavior. But we as a race or not race, a species, I guess we have to do better with it because we get stuck in conversations all the time. How bad is it do you think when It's bad.
1: Oh, wait, I was supposed to wait for you to finish that sentence. No. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> that's just too funny. Because I'm thinking of at, at these cocktail parties we go to. Yeah. Have you ever walked by someone and knew that they were in a, a, a hostage situation?
1: Yeah, it, 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 there are times that they look at you that's just a, help me. And you're like, I don't know you well enough to help you. Now, you know, if it's you or Zamora, sure, of course I'm going to do that. But right. if it's somebody that I'm like, you know, we met once at a cocktail party and you and I were in the same situation, I'm going straight for the cocktail weenies, dude. You're on your own. Sorry. I hate to play. Uh, uh,
0: So do you think people want to talk less? This is a, a, I'm quizzing you here. Do you think people want to talk less or want to talk more?
1: It depends on your personality type. I think that there are people that they will suck the oxygen out of the room talking to each other, and there are others, and I will throw myself into that who would much rather have a very short conversation and go, I'm moving on. Goodbye now.
0: So oxygen suckers, I, I know exactly, like two people popped into my head.
1: Probably the, same people I, probably the same people I'm thinking of,
0: actually. Pretty sure. So you are the person who wants to get out, right? And I'm usually the one that wants to ask more questions because I'm just so curious all the yeah. time. Nosy is really the word. This is it. Only 30 percent of conversations ended when at least one of the people wanted them to. In about 46 percent of those conversations, both parties wanted the conversation to end before they did. OK, so you are in the majority here, and me wanting to ask a lot of questions and grill you is the minorities. So even though 69 percent reported that the conversation wanted to end I mean, a huge percent wanted the conversation to end. But on average, the participants wanted the conversation to be almost a minute longer than it actually was. So I think what I'm hearing here is people want to have that conversation and they want to have good quality conversation, but then they do want to get done. So I think a a hybrid between you and me is the way to go.
1: Okay. There are conversations I find engaging. I will admit one of my weaknesses is that whole, Hey, we just met, you know, and diving into really getting to know that person. That's something I've got to get better at still in my old age. Uh I think back to all these Oral Health America galas that you and I have been at and trying to work the room and meet everybody. And yeah, that's an interesting study. I mean, because there's a lot of people I can think of whenever you say people like this or people want this.
0: So Kevin, in a separate article, I found something to support my side of it. and then Of course you did. (laughs) (laughs) But then I found more to support your side. (laughs) So let me present to you how to end conversations, right? So first of all, one of the quotes from the author of the article was, people enjoy conversations more than they think they will. So rather than scheming and strategizing about how to get out of them, maybe just sit back and enjoy them. How about that, Kevin? <laughs>
1: just buckle up and hang on, baby, because here it comes.
0: <laughs> uh, all right, but then they say there's, there's two, <laughs> he's giving tricks and tips on how to, how to end conversations. And his, his tip that's in bold letters it's better to leave people wanting more than wanting less. So that's you.
1: That's true. I love the mic drop and just walking off and people going, "Wait, I've got to know more about your friend who is the paramedic." You know, I mean, that's the amazing part for sure.
0: So I think the other part is we really just have to be open to taking a look at somebody and really reading their face. Like if their face looks like they're just a zombie, maybe your conversation's not the best. I would just I'm want just you to think about there. that. <laughs> And then the other thing is, he said, you should always end the conversation by making the person feel good about the conversation by clearly communicating that you had a nice time and would like to talk again. So swap out, got to run and use the term in quotes. Hey, it's been great to talk with you. I should get going, but let's talk more soon. So he's just saying, you know, put put a nice spin on it and then that way you can have more conversations. But how do you say you got to run, but you're really just going over to the bar? Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to get a drink now. Goodbye. You've driven me to drink. Uh, you know, maybe that's not the right way to end it. <laughs> no, I mean, that, that's, that's very pleasant. That's very PC. Having the PR degree, I appreciate that. So, sure. Absolutely.
0: All right. Why signal is if I cross my legs and have to go to the bathroom and you see me needing to go to the bathroom? Can you just be nice? Just Can, be nice. Yeah. Go. I've done
1: the two taps on the side of the leg, seriously. Yeah.
0: Is that your signal? Let's it's, broadcast yeah. your signal so it everybody is, knows. Yeah,
1: everybody's gonna be like, ah, yeah, that guy. He's tapping his leg. <laughs> and I see where you go with this.
0: Am I boring you?
1: <laughs> Yawn.
0: <laughs> Are you feeling awkward? Like, should we end this conversation now?
1: Oh I gosh, I just wanted to go forever.
0: Yeah, I was done.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's been really good talking to you. We should talk again soon, Teresa. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Got to run. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> see, you and I have this good rapport. But for those of you who are out there, like having to talk to people all the time, like office staff, you have to talk yep. to people all the time. And you're doing that dance of, can you just get out of the office so I can do my work? Maybe that's how you do it. It's so good to see you this time. You know, excited to see you next time. But you got to go. That's <laughs> Bye-bye
1: now. <laughs> Bye-bye.
0: <laughs> And if anybody has a good way of handling that conversation, I would love to hear it because kicking patients out the door is a skill, an art and a skill. Yep. No doubt. <laughs> all right. Any final thoughts, K-Dog?
1: No, we have we have covered. We've gone across times. We've gone across the globe. I mean, whew, I'm spent.
0: Whew, all right. You are so good at reading these studies and absorbing them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dear listeners, we have a ton of links for you in the show notes and I hope this has been helpful, given you some thought. I mean,
1: something. <laughs> something to chew on maybe. Oh, sorry. See, like...
0: <laughs> look, we're not in sync. You wanted the conversation to end and I wanted to keep going, see? That's what happened. We did a live role play we didn't even know it. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. Kevin and I truly appreciate it.
1: And that's a wrap for this episode of Chew on This. We hope you laughed and learned a little.
0: Check out the show notes for any links we mentioned. And don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. Feel free to drop us a comment on social media or by email if you have any suggestions for future topics.
1: We'll be back in about two weeks. See you then.